Imagine being able to skip through the ads every time you search for something in Google. Or even better, to be offered the listings most relevant to you directly under the search bar as you are typing. I'm Lee Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media and author of Beyonce Habla Español, How Lawyers Win the Hispanic Market. And this is In Camera Podcast, where we like Google search experience, but feel very curious about Niva's fast trap search future. Conversations. Grace, welcome back. Hi, Leah. How are you? I'm great, Grace, but uh, probably not as well as you are. You're back in Las Vegas. I am. I'm back in Vegas again. <laughs> so what, what What are the plans for tonight? Rod Stewart, Elton John, what show are you going to be? Which buffet you're going to go to, Grace? You're a native there, right? You know all the places. You're the person to ask. Uh, yeah, I, I wish I were. Um, actually, I do. I, I know quite a bit in <laughs> Vegas, haven't been here enough times, but you know, I'm here for a show for the Trial Lawyers University. We're a pretty big sponsor, so I had to come in a day early to uh, stuff some bags. Yeah, you know what, Grace? I know it's super early. The event hasn't even started. You're here a day before the actual event starts. And so there is not much that you can share at this point about it, but I'm really, really looking forward to hearing your feedback about the event, about the atmosphere, the attendees, who is there and the interest levels, right? That there are, you know, at the Exhibitor Hall in general during the networking sessions and such. I think um, it's a prom- it's an event that seems very promising. We've been talking about it quite a, um, quite a bit over the past few weeks. It's just going to be interesting to see, you know, how it actually turns out. Yeah, it's my first time at this one, our first time exhibiting at Trial Lawyers yeah. University or even coming to the event period. So yeah. this will definitely be interesting to see how it all kind of pans out. <laughs> I, it absolutely will be, Grace. So, Grace, to get us started in today's conversation, which we're going to be diving into some updates that relate to cybersecurity and kind of like um, on that same line uh, with a privacy-centered focus in mind, I wanted to share an update that I came across a few days ago that it's uh, with regards to Niva's um, new platform, mobile search browser, that we've mentioned it probably a year ago when Niva was first uh, announced. And for those who do not remember or do not know what Niva is, so Niva is a search engine that was being founded by a ex-senior vice president from Google. And the whole idea behind Niva is the way that they're gonna differentiate themselves from Google and being in other search engines that are primarily advertising centered is that they were gonna be privacy centered. So they were not gonna have any type of advertising shown up when users are actually using the platform to complete search queries. And apparently, it turns out there's already an app from Niva that can be used and can be downloaded and you can actually basically use it as your web browser. And what's very interesting here is that they do not have a search results page. So as opposed to Google that you input your search query on the search bar and then hit enter and then it's 
takes you to basically a landing page that is your search results page where you have all of the different listings listed. So you have the ads, you have local pack, you have all of the things there, right? All of the different sections that are now in the Google search results page. In Neva, it actually, as you are typing, kind of like similar to the filling Loki sort of thing from Google, but here as you're typing, it actually is uh, listing the results of the website that are most likely to be relevant to you based on what you're typing. So the idea here is skipping the search results page, giving you the results as you are actually inputting the search query and then making it easier for you to hopefully find the, the right website that's going to meet your, your intent, right? Now, a couple of things here. It's user-friendly, probably yes, because it basically is saving you a step. So UXYZ could actually be very beneficial, providing that the search result, even though it's not an actual result on a page, it's just the first option coming down of the list. It actually, if, it, if it's relevant, then, then great. But what also, you know, becomes very evident here is that there is still ranking, right? I mean, there is still positions. There is still position one, there is still position two. Like the list is served to you, obviously, in some sort of order of priority. And so it would be very interesting as we're getting to know more Neva to understand the similarities between the way that Google ranks and the way that Neva ranks. And so I just think it's interesting, right? Because last year when we talked about this, it felt like we were a million years away from this platform actually seeing light. And even though we already have things like DuckDuckGo and stuff, and they've been around forever, we've never really paid a lot of attention to them because you know, their market share of the search market is none. Like they don't make a, yeah, they cannot even make a dent in it. But Neva seemed to be probably, you know, with, with a pedigree that is backing it up, it feels like they, they are the ones geared to be the main contender to Google, if anyone's ever going to be. And I don't know, I, I will it? The, the bottom line is that we're still years away from that actually happening. And it's interesting just the fact that there's already a platform out there charging $5 per month to users for a search experience where you're not seeing ads. So Grace, what are, what are your thoughts? How do you feel about this? So I feel like they're almost going back to the original model of Google, if you think about it. Because Google, yeah, I mean, right? Yeah. They said no ads. That was the whole thing in the beginning. There was never supposed to be ads. It was supposed to be kind of a... Really? Well, they, they, didn't, really? I, they didn't say I no ads. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. They said that they put... So the reason they had a white page on the search and it just said Google was because there was it was never to be cluttered. So... yeah. That's one thing that Google from the very beginning was all about supposed to be the search intent and the user. And so when they, they originally only had maybe a couple of listings that would pop up back in the day. Um, I don't know how far back you remember the results or what you would see on Google, but it, it wasn't that many. Um, so I feel like this new platform and what they're trying to do is to go back to the OG or original Google and reason behind Google, which is here is your answer to your question without you having yeah. to dig, dig, dig. 
but yeah, which, that yeah, right? that, that I see. Yeah, that that I see. I I mean, if and I've shared here my screen with you, great, so you can see basically what's the user experience like, right? So it it's it's that right. It's stripping down everything to the essentials. So you're searching, for instance, in this example for flowers, and you're literally being served with a link to the site that is going to be more relevant for that search query. And I I think that is the essence of of search, right? Is finding the most relevant site to meet your your search intent. Now, what I what I have seen, kind of like following up into what you're saying, what was Google originally and what it has become, Google is now becoming more of a platform that is not just limited in satisfying your search intent, but uh, kind of like trying to predict what you're going to need next and try to inspire you with new ideas, right? One thing that has also starting to show up when you're doing different types of search queries that could uh, be better served through video is that there is now a little video carousel that's actually showing TikToks, not just uh, YouTube videos or website videos, is actually also getting information and clips from, from TikTok. And so, you know, and you can actually watch watch some of these videos natively almost, right, from within Google. And I think what Google is trying to do here is trying to keep users as much as possible inside the platform, whereas uh, Niva is not trying to do that. Niva is trying to just be that connector between what you're trying to find and where you're going, whereas Google is trying to become more and more and more your center point for everything in the internet and trying to become more the one platform solution that you need for everything, whether it's for storing data, right, which is Drive, creating business documents through their G Suite and obviously Gmail, which is probably the most widely used uh, email uh, platform out there. And then you have YouTube and you have, you know, all of the other things that Google is offering as solutions, which now allows you to buy directly from the search results page uh, through shopping. It allows you to book flights, to book hotels, it's now even giving you Google car dealer, car, yeah, like pricing on new cars and that sort of things coming up there. Not too sure what the game plan is there, if they're actually going to um, allow for um, lead generation that's going to then be fed to auto retailers. You know, what's the game plan in there? But the bottom line here is that Google is trying to provide all of the answers within its platform rather than sending people out. And that's not what we're seeing here in Eva. And I think what's going to be interesting here is if users are going to find it more convenient to continue using Google with all of these solutions that are uh, based on predictability or users are going to prefer to have more control over their online experience by opting to use platforms like Neva. I, I think, you know, very early days still. It's going to be very interesting to see where does this all take us. What do you think? So I think it, it, it is all very interesting, particularly because we just spoke about continuous scrolling and how they just added that. And these are this platform is basically going the opposite with one result, right? So it's, it's kind of interesting to see the tactics they're taking to try mm -hmm. and get market share. Um, mm -hmm. We all know Google is, you know, Google is it, you know, you have maybe Edge, Microsoft Edge right after 
And that's yeah. very far, very far down the line and Bing and all of those. So, yeah. you know, like you said, DuckDuck is, I was going to ask about DuckDuck because that's one yeah. of those, one of the original privacy, you know, yeah. browsers, but nobody talks about it. They don't have it, any market share. It doesn't. And it's weird also because it also does show some ads and it's just, you know, like it a became, clunky experience. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it became just a, a platform that lacks any kind of personality. And so, you know, I don't know if that's something that could be the fate here of Niva, but certainly it's trying to break away from the traditional model of what search engines are right now. And so, yeah, I thought that was very interesting. But by the way, you've mentioned um, continuous scrolling. Have you experienced it? Because it has already showed up to me a couple of times for some search queries. And, and it's really great, Grace, because, you know, on mobile, the experience of scrolling is kind of like very satisfying up to a certain extent. And it just uh, feels very intuitively, right, to just keep on scrolling. And, and it's, you do realize that you kind of like reached the end of that first section because like a little animation that is loading up the next set of results shows up for, you know, a second or less, but is not disruptive at all. And it also doesn't send you any signals as like you are, you know, well, you're about to head to the next section where the quality of results is not going to be that great. It actually feels very, um, it, it, it still feels very unified to that first page. And, you know, it's also interesting to see all of these new sections that we, we haven't really talked a lot about. We've mentioned some of them recently now, but the new sections that Google is adding to the search results pages, right? Uh, with articles being featured, kind of like snippets. And then obviously there's all these carousels, whether they're pictures, whether they're videos, um, the frequently asked questions. Like it's becoming very interactive. It's not just block of 10 links to different sites. There is in between a lot of other things that definitely make the experience more more interesting. It, it's it's not uh, it's not necessarily as predictable what's going to show up on the search results page. For people who have curiosity, it's very easy for them to just you know spend time researching and navigating and, and clicking on things and um, yeah, it, it's there's, immersive. There's, there's room for that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It reminds me of it's social not media. Yeah, it's not as transactional as it once was. And I think I think you're right when you say kind of like the original Google where it was very, you know, in and out. Like I go there, I search, find my results, and 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 off I go to the to the website that I was actually looking for. We're spending more time in this platform. That's right, Grace. So yeah, that's our uh Nivas update. And of course, you know, because we care a lot about organic traffic here and paid traffic, we need to keep our eyes open for this. Now, Grace, um, you've mentioned cybersecurity. It's getting harder to identify malignous activity, right? So what updates do you do do we need to be aware of? So they're um hiding most of their information in deep links, um, which is it's Generally speaking, if you look at the from email address or if you mm -hmm. hold your cursor over a link, you can usually mm -hmm. tell what that link is actually saying as opposed to what the text that's displayed, right? So we're yeah, where correct. It's, where it points. That's right. Correct. So what a lot of these companies 
well, the hackers, let me rephrase, not companies necessarily, mm -hmm. hackers are doing is they're embedding these links either within images um, or they're embedding them in a website that's within a website. So when you hover over the initial link, it does appear as if potentially it was from the correct location. And then they're taking it a step further. Um, so let's say you look at the from email address. I use that because that's probably the easiest way to yeah. tell, you know, a difference between a fake and a real. Um, and a lot of them are able to spoof your email address, which a lot of times can, it will come through and hit your junk email. So you shouldn't have too much, too many problems with that. But what they're doing is that they're creating, um, I'll give you an example. I received an email today that said forpersist.com at whatever.com. And yeah. it looked like forpersist.com at forpersist.com. But because I know to look at email headers, which is sort of the data in the back end of the email, um, mm -hmm. I was able to see that this was not actually from that email address, much less that it was what really triggered me was that it said forpersist.com at something yeah. something forpersist.com. So they're, they're, they're adding subdomains, which is a URL attached to their URL, yeah. um, which makes it look like it's really yours, but it's not. So they're, yeah. they're getting very sophisticated and particularly with banks and banking information. Um, I would suggest that people change their passwords every 72 days. Um, a lot of these systems actually have that kind of built into them, particularly with mm -hmm. all the data that we, we use, right? I mean, we have people's... Uh, very protected health information. Uh, and yeah. a lot of times we don't realize, you know, that even though internally we may have everything saved in the way it's supposed to be, the moment that it goes outside of the network or an emails from outside to inside, you can potentially open it up to issues. Grace, so, can I ask you something? Yes. Like with, with two-step verification, do you still think that it's necessary to do reset of your password or renew your password every uh, 90 days, which is traditionally kind of like the threshold of time that you need to renew your password? So, Because it seems like two-step verification, um, it kind of like puts that extra layer of security that, that gives you that kind of like more on-the-spot access, right? Like if, 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 if it's not you, uh, then, you know, you're not going to get the text message on your phone or something. And so inevitably, they're not going to be able to access the account. So what 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 is your best practice uh, when it comes down to that? So two-step and then there's MFA, which is multi-factor authentication. Um, multi -factor, That's right. Yeah, MFA is better um, because it adds a couple layers, right? You can add an email address, you can add a cell phone number, and you can have multiple ways of authenticating to make sure that it's you. So if you have an app or uh, even a Microsoft Authenticator app, which is something that can be added to your browser, if you have that type of authentication, you in general, you don't have to reset your password every so often. However, most people, even with MFA, they potentially don't have a pin on their phone. They don't have a lock on their phone or they don't have a lock on whatever that MFA is attached to. So it's only as good as the uh, authentication method that you're using. Mm -hmm. So yes, I, I would say that you don't have to reset your password if you're using a two-step or multi-factor authentication. However, 
it's only as good as what you have on you at the time. So if you have an authenticator app on your phone, that's great. Just make sure that you have a pin or something on your phone that is not easily recognizable because a lot of times people can still get into your phone. Yeah. And no, totally. People put their phones yeah. down everywhere all the time. It's, you know, it, it, it seems safe uh, because it's locked, but if you don't lock your phone on the regular or you leave it open um, based on time, people can still get the information and they can still see certain things, including if you're on public Wi-Fi. So, right. you know, there's, there's a lot of variables, unfortunately, or factors involved in cybersecurity that because they're getting so sophisticated, it makes it really, really hard to be on the lookout for everything all the time. The only thing I have to say about all of that, and I will always tell people this over and over again, it's if you're not expecting an email or an attachment or anything from that individual that you're getting it from, and there's an attachment to it, ask, find out before you click mm. download or open anything that you are not expecting. Because there's plenty of times where I've gotten a text saying, hey, I changed my cell phone number. Can you do this? Obviously, I knew that person was, it's a lie, it's fake because of what they asked me to do, which was having to do with buying them gift cards, really. But it's not always that obvious. You know, one of uh, one of our newest, uh, newer employees a while back uh, got a text message saying something similar. Hey, you know, I changed my phone. I did this, I did that. And it was from what seemed like it was an executive of our, co of our company. And they sent me a screenshot, said, hey, this seems odd. They're asking me to do X, Y, Z. I said, no, definitely not. Not that person. Don't even bother answering. Block that number and report it. So, you know, there's steps that we can take. Unfortunately, it's it's not easy to, to actually catch the individual or the hacker or the company or whatever it is that's doing this. But sometimes you can. Um, and there are ways to protect yourself. And that's always be on the lookout. If you're not expecting it, don't open it. That's the most important thing I could tell everybody and anybody. Yeah. And and it's actually interesting, Grace, because what you've mentioned there, uh, particularly when, when it comes through emails, is that uh, when, at least in, in G Suite Gmail, when it receives an email that is being sent out from your own organization or has too many matching factors to your own account, it would actually automatically flag it out and say that this looks like a spam email. And it's actually, it, 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 it's very, you know, in our case, it, it, it's, a, it's a genuine email from inside the organization. It just comes automated out of other platforms, right, that are sending it with our email uh, masked. Does that make any sense? Yes. Right? So, you know, the, the actual um, server that is sending the email is not ours, but it's sending it out with an email of ours on display. And so it's it's just a notification. It's a notification from one of the software solutions that we use that it's letting us know, hey, uh, this has happened. And so it sends us an alert over email. And when the alert gets registered on our inbox, the you know Gmail says, hey, this actually looks uh, like potential spam activity to me because it says that it's an email coming from inside your organization, but it's not. 
but it's not. This is not an email from inside your organization. So every single time we need to market us, no, it's it's safe. We know like we know why it's coming and who's sending it. And so um, I, I think my point here is that technology is already kind of like helping you identify these kind of threats. But as you're saying, right, they're getting better. They're getting more sophisticated at it. And I think, you know, an extra layer of curiosity from our end to question and make sure that we are paying a little bit uh, extra attention as to what we open, what we click on. It's it's 100% appropriate. And that's the key, right? Just be a little more observant than you might normally be. But all of us that work in the legal industry, we're used to having to look at information on a regular basis and question things. Right. I mean, a lot of times we, we're in legal because we question. We question whether, you know, on your end, it's marketing. Why why this runs the way it should? What's a better way of, of marketing in a particular region or an area? So we all question things. So I'm just saying for everyone to add that to their questioning mind and make sure that <laughs> you question every email that you're not expecting. Not every email, just the emails that you were not expecting and the whys behind it. If you were supposed to not get that email and there's an attachment in particular or a link in the body and it's not just text and you were not expecting that email, question it, ask. That's right, Grace. It's always good to remind ourselves, you know, just like are we supposed to be changing our password every 90 days? Every 90 days we have an episode where we are reminding ourselves about all of these things. Uh, so that's good. That I think really uh, brings us to our takeaways for this conversation, which should be very straightforward. So Grace, takeaway number one. Okay. So for me, takeaway number one would be having to do with the app that we talked about. You know, um, I look at other things um, in terms of other search engines. They might serve your purpose a little better, um, but we just know in the back of your mind that Google is still <laughs> it in terms of market share. So don't just uh, start spending money on something like Nivea that, you know, doesn't even have advertising. So have it in the back <laughs> of your mind, always look, just always be aware of new things, new trends, new information. We'll be here to make sure that you are aware of it. And that's what our podcast is for. Um, but to me, takeaway number one is that it's just be aware, listen to our podcast um, and know that there's other things and trends out there that are coming um, down the pipeline which may or may not do anything to Google's market share, but it's still important to be aware of it. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on that one, Grace. I think it's not it, it's not so much about how much of a threat Nivea, Nivea is. It's about uh, being aware, right, that you cannot build up your entire marketing strategy on one source for your leads. You cannot 100% rely only on organic traffic. You can 100% rely on page traffic. You cannot only rely on search. You need to also be uh, working on your referrals, on your community outreach, on your social. So, um, you know, this is a good reminder that there could be a future in which paid search is no longer going to be as effective as it is today. And the same goes for the reliability of search, right? I mean, you know, every single year for uh, a few times we see and we notice um, very disruptive changes in organic search rankings, right? So it is very important to acknowledge that at any given point, you can uh, lose a significant amount of your traffic and then consequently calls and leads 
because of that. So you you know when it happens, it happens, but you need to make sure that your 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 you have other strategies that are going to be able to uh, keep you afloat. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Completely. Exactly. All right. Have other strategies yep. and think of other things to have in mind. Um, so I'd say for me, takeaway number two, um, if you're okay with me taking number two. <laughs> Absolutely, Grace. Um, it has to do with cybersecurity. And I think we've said it a few times, but I have a two and three actually attached to cybersecurity. Um, even though I didn't quite go down that line of the second, the third one, but the second one is uh, check, make sure you have multi-factor authentication or two-step authentication methods included as part of your uh, logins. Uh, most CRM systems, most systems out there, period, have that. If you do not, then make sure you change your password every 72 to 90 days uh, and make sure it's a strong password. So, you know, I would say most organizations uh, have G Suite or Office 365 or something like that where you can enforce a policy uh, for passwords or have yeah. enforce MFA, which is multi-factor authentication or at minimum, at a minimum, two-step authentication method. So that to me is takeaway number two. Check that. Make sure you have it. Uh, do you have MFA? Do you have two-step method? If not, then at least implement a rolling strong suggested password policy that changes every 72 to 90 days. Yeah, I think that's great, Grace. I, I honestly think that, you know, passwords, uh, particularly online passwords, have always been a burden for everyone. And the reason why people do not get very creative with them and tend not to go after the very uh, complex encrypted solutions that web browsers come to suggest is because, you know, nobody wants to be dealing with being locked out of a platform that they need access to when they need access to. And so I definitely think that the days where you need to compromise on security for convenience are kind of like behind us. You can certainly leverage some very powerful solutions that A, are going to auto-update your passwords every, um, you know, with the frequency that you said, but I think the most common is 90 days. So they auto-update your passwords. And the other thing here is that um, while they still give you all of those great features of autocomplete that allow you to, you know, whenever you're online and going to go to a site, it will auto-populate your password, but it would still uh, um, implement an extra layer of what you just mentioned, right? Whether it's two-step verification or it's going to send you a request for a, a, an authorization through a mobile app or something like that, it's, uh, it's going to be there. And so you're kind of like leveraging that um, convenience of not having to necessarily know your password by heart, keeping it on a very secure keychain that's going to be uh, secured by at least two steps of protection so that, you know, if you are logged in into that, leaving your desktop unlocked and anyone can come and start using your browser still doesn't have full access to all of the platforms. But that's another one, right, Grace? I mean, uh, um, in office environments, particularly now, how common it is to to be in co-working spaces, um, shared desks, offices, suites, whatever, right? Um, it'll just take one distraction um, for someone to really have access to everything you have and own. So yeah. And unsecured Wi-Fi. Reminder. 
yeah the wi-fi thing yeah yeah you're you're always very um focused on on network connections and and you know what grace it's actually very yeah you're abs you're absolutely right and and, and i want to share with you that you know during uh, our last conferences we are um we're using square terminals to process transactions uh with card payments right and just so you know like again like the technology is on your side they want to make sure that you are secure so just so you know for instance square like the terminal would not allow you to connect the terminal to uh wi-fi of a hotel for instance because they would not feel that that connection is secure to run the transaction so it will only connect to a mobile uh hotspot that is uh password protected following the right protocols correct mm -hmm. so that's uh you know it's it's super important to know that that square is what they natively call. technology is already setting some some blocks whenever it notices that there could be a, a potential risk yeah 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 pci that's compliance right. so that's credit card compliance is pci yeah. compliance so i'm glad mm -hmm. that square is uh, up their game in terms of showing if it's mm -hmm. like a hotel wi-fi or something nope not connecting not happening so that's yeah. great yeah Good to hear so it is 100%. <laughs> so Grace, one more takeaway. So takeaway number three, uh, for me, we're going back to, you know, don't use unsecure Wi-Fi, of course, as you mentioned, but the regularly check and update permissions. So this is what I was saying. I didn't quite really mention that when we were talking um, during the podcast, but it has to do with security. Mm -hmm. um, and that is yeah. what permissions do, does your, do your employees have? to access your data in your CRM, in your case management software, your laptops, your office, literally yeah. files, everything you have, you should regularly check and update permissions. If people leave, yeah. people don't work there anymore, people get fired, new people are hired, yeah. you have to check all of that on a regular basis. And most CRMs or case management software out there has a, a entire admin view of permissions. I think that's really important, Grace. Like an offboarding SOP is super important because it it's really very easy to miss out on deactivating certain credentials, removing accesses. That you just need to be very careful um, because if somebody who's no longer part of your organization happens to have access to some of this information or do something that is not by the book, um, you're going to be liable for it. So it's, um, yeah, it, it's one of those things that come with now working remote and from the cloud is that you're basically enabling a system that gives access remotely to all of your organization to everything that they need to complete their work. And that's great. That's actually something amazing. You just need to make sure that, as you just said, the right people have the right access to the right resources. And when they no longer have access, need access to it, it's actually secure. And you know, going back to the Wi-Fi connections that you're mentioning here is are the Wi-Fi connections they're using in, uh, safe to access this, which is another big thing, right? Because it's not going to be the same if they're using a Wi-Fi on their home or if they're using a Wi-Fi on a coffee shop. So that's for sure. There's <laughs> there's risks in that too as well. Yeah. 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 And, and, and listen, there's, uh, um, organizations, some do not allow, um, for, for connecting through unsecured connections. Um, 
to certain to certain parts of their um you know network of their cloud mm -hmm. we have that we have lockdown networks so if you yeah. try to connect to our network and you're not authenticated to do so you can't get in yeah that's it that's that's how it works grace i want to wish you good luck in your event this uh week and i'm looking forward to hearing about it next week and we'll have another great conversation that's right that's right ready for it <laughs> all right grace take care and again enjoy las vegas thanks Neil. you have a great day If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at incamerapodcast.com. We'll see you next week.